Hello and welcome to Lunch Break with the Village. I am Yvette Young, the Associate Vice President of Programs and Advocacy at the Village for Families and Children. We are so glad that you are able to join us today. Uh, we would love to know where you are watching from, so please comment in the chat box and just let us know what organization you're with or what town uh, you are joining us from uh, today. Our guest today is Aldwin Allen, our Senior Director of Community Programs at the Village for Families and Children. And he will be having a discussion with us today on navigating the return to school during COVID. We are happy to have you with us today, um, Aldwin. Thank you for joining us today. Um, before we begin, before I start diving into my questions uh, for Aldwin, I just wanted to remind our audience that we do have the opportunity to take questions uh, during this uh, show. So at some point or any point during the broadcast, please um, send in any questions you may have. Uh, we will create some time um, near the end of the broadcast to answer those questions for you. So with that said, we're gonna jump into our conversation today. Um, and Aldwin, I wanted to really start this conversation because there's a lot of parents who are anxious right now, a lot of kids who are thinking, what am I going to be doing um, this fall for school? Um, a lot of unanswered questions, probably a lot of anxiety for both parents and children. So what I wanted to start our discussion with was looking at what the options are that are available for educating children in the fall. Well, thank you, Me, and you're absolutely right. This is a very anxiety-inducing time parents are struggling with a lot of the realities, the data is streaming in, in magnificent ways because of the news cycle. And again, one of the most important things to any of us is our children. And that mm -hmm. isn't lost on a school district, not is it lost on the state. To that end, they've created three models. And the three models that they're looking at is in-person learning, hybrid learning, and remote or distance learning. And I'll say a little bit about them. In-person learning means that they will be returning to school as um, actually being physically present in the building. There are modifications that will be taking place. There are pieces of provisions made for sanitary stations. There are temperature checks. Um, there's a variety of protocols that have been put in place by state guidance. Um, the, the hybrid model, which is the second piece, which really is about a blended model. It looks at doing some classes in person and having some classes online or distance. So within that format, you'd have a scenario where students may be using a AB format, meaning Monday, Tuesday, they're in school. Um, Wednesday would be reserved for, and I'm just giving you an example. Um, Wednesday would be reserved for cleaning the school, um, and that would be cohort A. Cohort B would be going to school on Tuesday, Thursdays. I mean, sorry, on Thursday, Fridays, and on the days where they're not in school, they'll be doing distance learning. So the schools themselves are establishing sort of what this framework looks like. And in order for you to know exactly what's happening at your child's school, you have to review the state guidance because we all should look at the state guidance because um, that sort of drives what um, happens on a local level. But then make sure you're contacting your child's school. All right. And within your child's school, the principal should have information as well as um, the region. They also have information for your child and specifically what your expectations are for sort of participating in the educational process. So I can't say that enough. Check in with your school and check in often. The last piece would be remote learning. And that's the piece that we all went into, right? At the end of the school year, you know, um, the districts did a great job 
as far as getting computers out to families and this is statewide and making sure that they had the ability to connect and do this remote learning. Now, when this remote learning, there are two models. There are synchronous and asynchronous models. Now, the synchronous models means that they are actually engaged with the teacher. The teachers have appointed times, they have class schedules, so the student is able to connect with that teacher. They're able to get real-time help and instructions take place via the internet. As you're looking at asynchronous models, asynchronous models means that the lessons are pre-recorded and the students are able to log on at different times and be able to access and complete those assignments. Now, all schools, again, differ in the timelines of when assignments need to be submitted back to them. So again, this piece, it requires a significant amount of vigilance and engagement on parents as you're doing any sort of hybrid model or distance learning. It's definitely different than what parents are accustomed to, but your school is a resource and it will help you navigate this piece. So you had mentioned in your conversation that you know state procedures and regulations and ensuring that parents go and check those. Is there any differences between state, town, or city procedures that parents should be aware of? Absolutely. And again, this information has changed on a week-to-week -week basis. And it's as we're getting closer and closer to the beginning of school, um, which is September 8th here, it, it, we are nearing um, the, the start of, of this new school year it has been changing almost daily but currently the state guidance which started out as all schools will be in school and in class in school learning in-person learning will be on um, what will be done as of this week the governor has stepped back and he had said he is going to leave it up to regions and districts to determine whether or not they are ready and capable and some of the reason for this, because some school some schools have as few as 100 students in them, some schools, as you move across Connecticut. And as you move to some urban districts, they have as many as six, 700 students in them. So your ability to social distance and do these pieces continue to be an issue. And as your district is making the decisions based on their ability to uh, um, create sanitary conditions for families, to create um, distancing and follow all proper protocols and procedures issued by the state, they are now put more in the position to make these decisions. So there is a difference what the state provides as overall guidance and what your individual um, town, region, or school district will provide is specifics as to how your child's school will operate. So it's important that you get on your phone, that you email, that you participate in town hall meetings wherever possible at the local level to find out exactly sort of what the procedures will be. So um, as you talk about these guidelines, and it seems like there's a lot of navigation that families will have to do, where can they actually access information about the state or their local procedures for the return to school? So the Connecticut State Department of Ed, CSDE, has a website, um, .gov, so you're able to access them. And if you Google any of these keywords, State Department of Ed um, guidelines, there are provisions there, there's um, frequently asked questions. and Again, as you're looking at the full landscape of Connecticut, they provide the overall guidance. As you're looking at your individual schools, you can um, approach your child's school's website. You can also look at your district or region's websites, and they have guidance there as well. And in the event that you're not able to find what you're looking for and they're not able to navigate that particular um, website easily, pick up the phone, have contact. A lot of these school districts throughout Connecticut are having specific 
forums, town hall meetings for families so they can be able to share this information in a broadcast fashion and give parents a chance to feed the information up. I think one of the things we need to keep in mind is that everyone in this situation, educationally, um, nonprofits, we're all trying to find a way to keep our children as safe as possible as they are most precious resource. And we're mm -hmm. all trying to find a way to be able to create as much of a sense of normalcy as possible, but the priority is on safety. And that means that then contact and being able to speak specifically about your child's needs are critical. So let's talk about that. So the reality is that there might be districts where return to school in person may not be an option, um, but that's still up in the air for some districts. But let's say we have some parents listening in today that their district decide they're gonna have an in-person return to school. How would you, um, or what would you share with parents around how to ensure a safe return of their children to school? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it starts again with familiarizing yourself with your school, with your child's school specific plans. And then it goes into sort of details talking about what does, um, what, what does, what are the basic provisions that are gonna happen in that school? What are provisions around buses? What are the provisions around lunches? What are provisions around recess? Asking questions about bathrooms and cleaning stations. Asking questions around staff safety, around are they doing temperature checks every day? Are these things logged? In the event that something is an issue, um, are how and when will they be notified in the event that um, symptoms are being exhibited in the school? Another piece is to really, there's some self-check pieces that we have to do as a family. We have to look at how we work with our children and help them understand that the school is the same school, but it is mm -hmm. gonna be different, right? And there's also a piece where we need to look at our pediatrician. You should have contact with your pediatrician and talk about your child, because some children may have specific risks and we want to be sensitive to what these risks may be and provide a safe environment for our child in that school. And we should notify the school of any provisions and have conversations with them um, around our child's specific needs to make sure they can accommodate. So, Let's talk about the children, right? Because at the end of the day, they're the ones going back into uh, a building and into that system. And there's kids who probably have a ton of questions right now um, and their parents really don't have answers. But what advice would you give to parents about the best way to prepare a child if their district is saying children need to go back to school or return to school um, on September 8th, just to help the kids be able to make that transition after doing distance learning for so long? Well, probably the most important piece of this is for parents to do a self-check. Parents themselves need to stop and take a breath because this has mm. been a complicated ride. And to make this decision about whether or not your child returns to the school environment is a very difficult one. And in order for a parent to be able to have that conversation with that child, they need to stop, take a breath, process for themselves because children will pick up on your energy. Mm -hmm. They will. And these anxiety, these pieces, you speak to professional, you speak to um, um, people within the school system, you speak to whomever you need to speak with to have your um, anxieties and your concerns answered as best as possible. Because as you have doubts or concerns, those will come across. And children already are struggling with the reality that their world was transformed overnight. Mm -hmm. And they cannot see the people they saw, they cannot do the things they did. And even that they returned to school again, 
it's the same school, but it is different, significantly different. So to that, I'd say, begin having discussions with your child. A large part of this process is really about practicing. Um, as we're talking about hand washing, what does hand washing look like? Are you washing your hands for 20 seconds, right? Are you singing, you know, happy birthday? Are you saying your ABCs two times? Are you counting to 20? Um, are they able to practice social distancing? Because they're going to see children that they haven't seen in a while. And things are different and they may go back to their old responses. But at this point, our time is really going to be focused on these, these are the things we need to do. We need to maintain distance. We need to wash hands. We need to cough into our elbows. We need to elbow bump in order to um, say hello. We should practice distance high fives. There's a variety of things that are different. So parents need to sit with their children and begin to discuss it and understand that their children are going to be anxious and nervous. And these are the times where you create check-ins before school, check-ins after school, and discuss so that children feel safer and are able to have conversations that um, may be bringing up anxieties within them. So one of the areas, and we actually just had a question come in around mask wearing, because that will probably be one of the guidelines that um, children will have to adhere to while they're in the school setting. So one of the questions, uh, the question that just came up is like, what if a child is having, has special needs and is having difficulties tolerating the mask, but, you know, they need to go back to school and have that structure and social interaction. How can a parent help um, a child figure out how to deal with that for the number of hours that they will be in that setting? First off, um, no parent is alone in this process. That school that that child attends is responsible for making sure that child's safety is front and center. So this is a conversation as you're practicing at home and you're recognizing that your child has difficulties breathing into the mask. We, you can explore other mask alternatives. If that, and again, you can include your pediatrician within this conversation. Mm -hmm. Also contact the school and have specific conversations around them and your child's specific needs. Because within each framework, there is some provisions that are made for children who have special um, scenarios and situations. And at this, at this stage, I would encourage that parent to contact the school, be very open, very direct about what it is, because there may be provisions that are made that allows for that child to um, participate in the hybrid learning, perhaps do a larger um, piece with the distance learning, or perhaps there are different workarounds with regard to the types of masks and your ability to breathe within those. Mm -hmm. Again, the important thing here is that no one is alone. There are professionals within the school setting. There are pediatricians. There are health professionals that we can communicate with that can help us get answers. And I think one of the good things that you said is practice from now, right? Figure out how your child would do with wearing a mask for hours on end. Um, talking to your school, you're right about, you know, is there an opportunity for a break or there's enough distance that the child might be able to take the mask off for a period of time? I think your advice is, is spot on because there is a level of preparation that parents are going to have to do and practice that they have to do to prepare their children to go back because they've been at home with their family in a safe environment and may not have been wearing masks um, all this time, or maybe they've gone out for short periods of time, but being in a school setting for hours is going to feel a little bit different than just being at home or out in the community for a short period of time. So I thought that was really good advice and hopefully that um, person will be able to start doing that with their child and come up with some solutions around that. So with that said, so that's, so I, great advice um, for how, you know, to return kids back into a school or building setting. 
if parents are in a predicament or in a situation where a district decides, listen, we can't bring them all back in, it won't be safe, that's not an option for us for at least the fall semester. Um, what supports do you think their parents can give their children around doing distance learning? Okay, so as you approach distance learning, each school, again, depending on um, what their websites look like, there are some frequently asked questions and there are some advice, there are some advice pieces that um, help parents navigate this uncertain water. But as a parent, the one thing you need to be aware of is that schools are built around routines. You wake mm -hmm. up at a certain time, you get to school at a certain time, there is, um, you, you initiate classroom, there's attendance, there's a series of steps. And those pieces help children deal in the real world. School is not just about education, sort of in terms of reading, writing, and arithmetic, but there's also these sort of social components and sort of these practice skill building pieces. So if your child is in a position where they're doing distance learning, this is a time for you to stop and say, okay, um, we saw for several months what it looked like when it was thrust upon us. Now let's be planful. Let's establish a routine. What time does school start at home? What time is there a break? What time is there check-in? If you're looking at a break, what does that break look like? What does it include? How do you sort of warm up to it? How do you shut down? How do you have the break? Then how do you reinitiate and re-engage with the learning process? So these things are critical. The other piece is that if they're distance learning, they're not going to be seeing their friends as often. So this mm. is another piece you have to look at. And again, as you're looking at them engaging and doing these sort of pro-social activities with friends um, and these connection pieces, this isn't a tool to sort of reward or punish behaviors. This is a piece that's critical for all children to have. And they, you, as you're looking at the week, there must be an opportunity for you to create structures for these things because children learn for different reasons at different rates. And having a well-structured, well-rounded day, regardless of how a child may function at given components, that entire structured day gives that child a sense of normalcy. It helps build their resilience and gives them something to look forward to and ultimately get you better productivity out of that child. You know, it's so good that you say that because the social piece, I think, has been a concern for a lot of parents. And I know a few parents who have said that what they've done is either have quarantine families that they have where they're, they're, you know, they know what the parents are doing. They know that it's safe to be around those children. And so that those become sort of the playmates for their kids. Um, so I think parents do have to get really creative. Are you using virtual ways to have kids socially connect, but really finding those opportunities? Are you around family that you know are safe so you can have your children interact with those family members? But it is about the village right now, right? It's about creating this village of safety and, you know, knowing that you trust the parents and you know that they're, you know, doing really good sound practice. And so having their kids over your home or your kids over their home feels like a safe option to kind of, you know, balance that. And especially if you're in a community with some of your other friends and family members uh, that are in the same situation, how you can then plan for that um, as a family to incorporate that into the child's daily life. Okay. Um, go ahead. Oh, um, just within that, again, as you're looking at routine, remember the synchronous and asynchronous teaching models, meaning some teaching models will be live and some will be um, just posted and students will be required to engage. Be aware of that as you're building your child's routine and contact the teacher and the school as often as possible, especially in the initiation of school, to find that balance to help your child succeed. Because this is new for your child. This is mm -hmm. new for everyone. 
And the more contact we have, the less we'd feel anxious, the more we'd be able to sort of talk with our friends and gain sort of best practices. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think you, you have to use a village right now to, to navigate through some of these concerns and issues. Um, so the, we have an audience question that came in, but it actually ties into the next question I was going to ask you. So I'll ask the next question and then I'll add in the, the specific question that the audience member had. So for parents with children with individualized educational plans, what should they do? Um, and the reason why I feel like it tied, we have an audience member who says that um, they have a son who's autistic and what, what will be safe for him to go back to school in the fall? So I think both of those are meld because there might be you know, plans or special accommodations that need to be made. So what advice would you give about children with um, sort of individualized plans? Okay, so students with IEPs, these um, individual plans, there is, specific needs for parents to find those plans, get their hands on those documents. Um, there's usually annual there's usually annual reevaluations that are done. The parents should get their hands on that last item. If they don't have it in file at home, they should contact the school and, and find a way to get it into their hands so they could ask the school, what accommodations are being made specifically for my child? Because again, there is state guidance and that state guidance is very broad. But as you're talking about your individual child, that child has a teacher, has a principal, has an assistant principal, has um, a para, has someone and a team of people who are associated with their specific educational needs. And that conversation needs to be held. And at this juncture, you're able to do these things virtually, contact your school and have these conversations, have these meetings so you can find out what specifically the school is gonna be able to do to support your child's learning. Because in the event that that child works with a para daily, how does that para now interact with your child as they're doing the synchronous learning plan or the asynchronous learning plan? As you're looking at the routines you're establishing in the school, how are you, I mean, within your home, doing this distance learning setup, how are you able to incorporate that para into those timelines to create a structured, predictable format for that child? The better we are able to create a structure for a child, the better that child's chances of success and being able to make the adjustments necessary for them to succeed academically this year. Excellent. Um, so just, I wanted, we're coming close to the end. Can you believe it? We're almost uh, 30 minutes in. Um, we do have a, um, some additional questions Aldwin and I will be discussing, but I wanted to remind the audience that you do have the option to send in any questions you have at this point, and we'll try to get to as many of them as possible. Uh, near the end of our discussion. So we just talked about individualized plans and you know, sort of what the school can do or what parents need to do to ensure that the needs of their children are met. Let's talk about services and supports that you believe are needed for students during COVID. So this could be in the school system and it could be outside of the school, but what are you anticipating or thinking are gonna be some of these supports and services that these children will need? So there, the list is long. As we're talking about um, return to school, as you're doing in-person um, um, return to school, there are pieces that families need to look at regarding uniforms, the uniform policies, as we're looking at maintaining sort of sanitary environments. Your children may need more uniforms. You may be washing clothes more. These are opportunities for you to reach out to your community and find out where are, are there resources to help purchase um, school equipment, right? Is there, are there resources to purchase uniforms? Um, as you're looking in terms of dealing, coping, and managing anxiety, there has been a spike um, in, in children presenting with anxiety, um, depression, mm -hmm. 
suicidal ideation. These are things that were an unfortunate consequence of quarantine. So mental health services become critical. Speak to your pediatrician, speak to your school, speak to your local um, mental health providers to again, begin to speak about these things early and often. As we are deeper in this quarantine, we are not able to determine when it's gonna end. So we consider where we are right now, the baseline, and it can sort of get better or get worse. But I would begin to start engaging um, our mental health professionals to make sure that we're as stable as possible during these times and we're as healthy as possible. Also, technical support. We're now using Chromebooks, laptops. We're hotspotting. Um, we're using Wi-Fi at rates that we weren't using before. Have technical conversations with your school around supports. A lot of um, entities are issuing Chromebooks for free. Um, some um, entities, uh, some, of, some of these um, pieces come with support, some do not. So that your child is going to be using these um, Chromebooks and these other pieces that are issued by the school, you may run into technical difficulties. So associate yourself with what supports are available. Some are provided by the region, some are provided by the town, the municipality, and some by the school. But begin to connect with these pieces to not only get the technology you need to make sure your child is successful, but also then get tech support. Also, another thing I would look at is really as your child is sitting for long periods of time, yeah. desks are ergonomically designed for long periods of sitting. Your couch may not be, your dining room chair may not be. So consult and, um, with your school around these things, around the heights of heights of tables, the, the places where children are able to sort of sit to get their work done. So as we're looking at this piece, details are much more than we anticipated, but they mm -hmm. are when we reach out to our community partners and our schools to really help our environments for our children be the best that they can be. Excellent. Um, so in the last few minutes, I just wanted to uh, ask, we didn't cover the issue of transportation, right? So kids are going back um, in the fall and they are going to be doing transportation. I know we had had a brief conversation about, so how do parents navigate that? Not all parents are gonna be able to drive their kids to school and they may have to put them on the bus or you know, you may have kids who are walking to school. So could we talk a little bit about what that would look like uh, during COVID and any advice or suggestions you have for parents around that? Okay, some of the initial guidance I think if anyone remembers from the state was that transportation would look like it looked last year. That was when they sort of made the sort of broadcast um, um, guidance piece. But as they are pushing these decisions down to regions, regions are making decisions specifically about how um, transportation should look. So right now, again, reach out to your school and find out because social distancing is effective once it is consistent right? So be sure to speak with your school about what provisions they make for transportation. There may be a change in bus time. There may be earlier pickups, later pickups. Um, as you are talking about these pieces, you have to speak to your child about, you know, um, and, and prepare your child with uh, their own sanitary kit, right? So they're walking on the buses, or they're grabbing rails, or they're touching these sort of public pieces, they have to have their own sanitizer on them. So we should look at what that looks like, because our back to school Backpack looks very different this year than it did in years prior. And again, practicing, having the discussion specifically with children about what it is to do when they see their friends. What are you doing when people are coughing on a bus? What do you do when you have to cough or sneeze on a bus? How do you then report behaviors discreetly? 
so that you not create a dynamic for yourself or others mm-hmm. if any of these things are being violated because everyone's health is at stake as decisions are being made by individuals. Okay. That's, and you know, I like the uh, comment you made backpacks going back to school in September would look different than before, because you're right. You have to have that mask. You're going to have to have, you know, hand sanitizer and any other items that you feel will protect your child while they are outside of your home. So it's a good thing for parents to start thinking about what do they need to stock up on now to ensure if their district is sending the kids back into a school setting, that their children are really prepared and have what they need. Um, so I have a, the last question that I have for you, Aldwin, before we wrap, because we have about two minutes left is you're a parent and you're a parent with children and you may be confronted with the issue of sending kids back to school or doing distance learning. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of parents who are struggling, um, with a lot of thoughts around, is my child going to be safe? Like, how are we going to navigate through this? I have work commitments. How am I going to do another, you know, four months of distance learning? And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, stress that may be coming up for families. So what kind of advice would you give to parents about self-care and what to do for themselves as they're trying to figure this all out and be strong for their children? And as you said, managing their own feelings so their children is not experiencing that and then feeling that they're out of control and now they have two issues that they have to manage well you you ask a very powerful question and and that's one thing that i am thankful for being a part of village for because our vision i mean our mission statement is really about creating a community of healthy um families that nurture and protect children and this is exactly where we are at this point this is calling all of us to that test and seeing whether or not we're able to nurture and protect children and for me it's a very real reality i mean i have three children that are in school and we are having very um, heavy conversations around safety around what we need to do to make sure that we're able to get the education because i believe in public education my children are part of it and we should be doing everything we can to make sure that we're able to return and return safely and with that the conversations that we're having at home begin um, to get more and more specific as we move towards the reopening of school and i would encourage every parent arm yourself with information this is a very scary time and it is uncomfortable and the more information we're able to get from professionals who are actually in this environment it would dis- it might put away some of the fears and concerns or might raise new ones and participate actively because you may have a concern that someone may have missed as you said it takes a village it takes a community and as families provide this information to districts districts can better make decisions to service not only your specific family but others as well based on the information so i would encourage everyone to participate at the highest level possible and communicate as often as possible so that your specific school your specific district can make decisions that better service you and as a result better service other families who may not have been participating as frequently as you are Excellent. Thank you so much, Aldwin. This was extremely insightful. I think you shared some really profound information that will definitely help our parents who have tuned in today. I just want to let um, the audience know we do have a downloadable resource that has a ton of links with information um, about what Aldwin shared with us today that is accessible to you on on the Village's website. So please uh, check out the Village website and get access to that information. The Village is also a nonprofit organization 
that provides uh, resources from prevention all the way through intervention. And uh, if you are in need of support or you need advice or you just need to check in for your own mental health or the mental health of your children, please reach out to us for support um, if you're in our region and we'll definitely assist you. Our next um, broadcast will be in September, um, so please join us. Obviously, communication will be going out with specific dates and topic um, for our September show. Um, please, as always, check out The Village on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn so you can get updates on our this show um, for upcoming shows and resources. We have other archived um, episodes on our Village website. Um, if you do the Village lunch break, you'll have access to that information. Um, and so please check that out and catch up on some of our previous episodes. Um, so with that said, thank you again, um, Aldwin, and thank you all for joining us. And please know that we are here always for you. And until next time, be well. <laughs>